Appalachia. Nobody truly knows where the word came from, but it seems that most folks have their own idea of what it is. Everything from run-down mobile homes full of meth heads to beautiful mountaintop views. The Appalachian Mountains are the oldest mountains in the world and once stood over 30,000 feet into the air. They span the eastern North America from Canada through 14 states all the way to Louisiana. Hello, I'm Larry Bentley. I was born and raised in these very mountains. I, for one, know that they're a source of unending tales and adventure. I also know that the views of an Appalachian as to what happens outside these mountains is a bit different than one might think. Join me as uh, we take a journey through these old Appalachian mountains and beyond. I think you'll be surprised at how it goes. Welcome to Season 3 of Appalachian Murder, Mystery, and Legend. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome back, my good friends. Thank you for stopping by today. Nowadays, I hear the debate still going on over whether we need to have the death penalty in this country or not. I must tell you that uh, through my many laps around the sun, I can truly see both sides of the debate because I myself have been on both sides of it. While I have come to the conclusion that it certainly is unfairly doled out, depending upon one's ability to afford a good counsel, there are times that I thank God that the one who got it can't hurt anybody else and got it exactly what they deserve. I reckon my biggest problem though is that once it's done, it's done. And if it so happens that the one that they killed for the crime was truly innocent, then a pardon of any kind is just uh, pretty much too late and pretty much meaningless. Have yourself set down and let me tell you about one time this actually happened in a town near a place where I grew up. In 1902 in Wise County, Virginia, there's a few things lining up for four men who might meet a fate that none of them saw coming. Evan Hobson was born in 1872. His father Littleton was 37 and his mother Mary was 34 when Eve, as he was known, was born. Littleton was from North Carolina and Mary, well, she was from Tennessee. Together they raised their children in a little home in Wise County, Virginia. By the time Eve grew up, he found himself doing what most in the area did. He worked as a construction foreman in a mine camp called Glamorgan, which meant that he was pretty good at what he did. Before long, he was courting a young woman named Isa Main Collie of Sheep, Sheep Rock, Virginia. And Mary, as she was known, was the daughter of John Floyd and Ernetta Mullins Collie. John Floyd Colley was a local farmer who had once served as a constable. 
So I guess you might want to walk a straight and narrow if your father-in-law's a former constable. But they married on January 9th, 1899 in Dickinson, Virginia, when she was 17 and Eve was 27. For four short years, the young woman's marriage and marriage vows were being put to the test. And I really can't say whether she was unhappy due to a toxic relationship or because, well, maybe she was just a little too young when she got married and know what she was or who she was and what she really wanted. And Eve, well, he did like to have himself a drink, and but he wasn't an alcoholic, that's what I could find. Could be that her father being a God-fearing man and raised her that way, the drinking just got on her nerve. And Eve may not have been a ray of sunlight when he drunk either. But whatever the reason, Eve's marriage just didn't take it. Mary soon left him for a man named Neely Hawkins. That's when, with no home left to go to, Eve had decided to work away at Glen Morgan with his nephew, Littleton Hobson. Littleton, known as Lit, was the son of Eve's brother Noah. Lit had married Hannah Mullins, daughter of preacher John Mullins of Dickens County, Virginia. Now, Eve and Lit had finished up their week's work and were heading home when they happened to run across Bob Mullins. Now, being Lit and Eve were known to have a drink or twelve on occasion, like if the sun came up that would be a good one, or if it went down it was even better. They figured that they might as well grab themselves some whiskey to take with them. So Lit asked Bob to run over to Norton, Virginia to grab him a jug. Bob asked Lit to chip in a dollar for the whiskey, which he gave him. Lit then offered a gun to take with him because, you know, Norton was known to be a little bit of a rough place and he thought maybe he might need it if he got in trouble. Bob Mullins should have been back the evening, but he still wasn't back and the uh, time it got dark and it, it wasn't that long of a trip to Norton and back, but uh, even Lit figured Bob had either found something else to do or maybe he ran into trouble and wasn't going to come back. So when Bob still hadn't come back the next morning, Eve told his nephew that they just as well forget about the whiskey and go on home. Yes, folks, a dollar was a dollar back then, so when you're spending on something, you expected to get it back. So waiting all night for whiskey really wasn't that uncommon. Lit had a problem with Bob leaving, or had a problem with leaving before Bob came back. It just didn't set right leaving Bob, or before Bob came back with his gun. He decided he wasn't going to go anywhere without it. The boy was worried and uneasy about his pistol and wanted his gun back so bad that they went to find Bob and get it back. I reckon it was one thing to get ripped a new one over some whiskey, but to keep a man's gun, well, that wasn't going to set too well. Lit and Eve went to Norton, where they sogged diligently around about thereof for Bob Mullins, but couldn't find hiding a hair of him nowhere. They finally came to the conclusion that Bob, well, he must have started back to meet him, and then maybe they just passed him somewhere along the way and missed him. As they started back home, the road they were taking uh, went right by Norton Rail Yard, where they ran into none other than Enoch Wright, right when he stepped off the train.
Enoch Wright was the son of Bad John Wright of Letcher County in Cyrilda, Austin. Enoch had married about 1896 to Georgie Johnson, and they had two children. And he would later marry for the second time in 1911 in Wise County, Virginia to Louisa Warwick, and you'll see why later. Now, being that there's safety in numbers, Enoch decided that he was going to tag along with Eve and Lit, so they started back home, and just as they did, they ran smack into Bob Mullins, who they'd been looking for, uh, near the home of we at one guy named William Crater, Carter, and Bob Mullins was in a bit of what we call here in the mountains a snit, he, that being because he had drank the whiskey that they were waiting on. He told Eve that somebody said that if I didn't bring your money back that you were going to take my tools. Eve said, you're just drunk, Bob, which to us mountain folks means don't let your 12-gauge mouth overload your 22 caliber ass. Lip was able to recover his gun from Bob without an incident, though. By this time, it was getting late in the day, so Eve figured that it would be best to go on over to his brother's house to stay the night and start home the next morning. Uh, so Bob figured that he would go with him. That wasn't exactly to Eve's liking, but since Bob had married his cousin, Eve figured that he would let well enough alone. As the three of them left, they saw Mr. Levi Miles, who Eve motioned over for a drink of whiskey, which turned into pretty much a shot drinking contest. Eve thought that he knew why Bob was hanging around him. It was because he now had some whiskey and would give him a hook off bottle every now and again. Lit hit it pretty hard as well and was pretty swivel-legged when he took out his pistol and fired it into the dirt road. Eve told him not to be shooting that thing unless he wanted the law to come and drag him off. Levi didn't take time to talk about it. Instead of talking, Miles snatched the gun out of Lit's hand and threw it over to Eve who slipped it in his pocket. Just after that, Noah, Eve's brother, came to take his son home. Even though Lip was a bit red over having his gun snatched away, he went ahead and left with his father. Enoch and Bob didn't have anything to do with the gun snatching, so they went on home with Noah and Lip without any problem. He figured Lip was well worked up over his gun, so he didn't want to be around him when he was in that kind of mood anyway, so he worried that Lip might raise another raucous if he went with him, so he figured the best way, best stay with Levi after all. Even Levi did some more drinking, then Levi suggested that they go back to town. Now on the way back to town, of all people that they run into, they met up with Enoch Wright and Bob Mullins. Apparently they couldn't take too much of Lit griping about his gun as they thought they could. It was now evening and as the night went on, Eve, Levi, Enoch, and Bob started getting them, uh, well, I've been up all night drinking hunger pangs. I'm sure none of you ever had anything like that, have you? Me either. I better quit lying before lightning strikes, hadn't I? Somehow the name John Sawyer, who just recently moved to ten from Tennessee to a farm just outside Glamorgan, in the area where Eve worked, came up in the conversation. Mr. Salyer kept chickens in the 
The alcohol-fueled discussion turned to a plan to steal a chicken from the Salyer farm to roast over an open fire for supper. They planned to go up to the Salyer house and decided that Eve Hobson would be the one to run up and grab the chicken and while everybody else decided they were going to stay back and watch. While Eve eased his way up to the farmhouse, the others assured him that they would catch, watch the farmhouse and door and if anything come out to catch him poaching the chicken. And they assured Eve that if so much as the floorboard squeaked on the house, they would warn him and uh, uh, all of them would make a break for it. There's no record of where Levi went, but I have to think that drinking some whiskey was okay by him, but when it comes to stealing chickens, well, that was a bit too far. Good thing for him that he went wherever it was he went, whenever he went there. Everything was quiet as a funeral home at night as Eve snuck his way up to the chickens by the house. Uh, he neither saw nor heard anybody, but did notice that there was a light in the window of the Sawyer farmhouse, but was probably too blame ass over tea kettle to take it as a warning. He undoubtedly thought that the other masterminds stuck to their plan to stay at the road and keep a watch for him, not thinking that they were all just too far in the jug to see straight or even hear anything, but that low-pitched moonshine hum, it goes through your head like a freight train. Anyway, the chickens like chickens are, not wanting to be poached and all, threw a dying duck fit. I don't know about you, but I think that have been a fly on the, or I'd like to been a fly on the farmhouse wall watching a drunk man chase a chicken. Maybe he wasn't as far in the toilet as I thought he was because he was able to catch a chicken. And he was about 30 yards from the house when he did it. Stick around, folks. This is going to go places that ain't never should have went. And I'll be right back. You're listening to Appalachian Murder, Mystery, and Legend Larry Bentley. Salyer heard his chickens going nuts. He was too deep in chicken thievery to see what, that Mr. Salyer had dashed outside to survey the situation. That was until he heard a mess of shooting going on. Eve didn't know if it was John Salyer shooting at him or his friend shooting at John. I guess you could say maybe he was wondering who hit John. And anyway, the only thing on his mind at the time was feet do your stuff. And he ran for it. He did manage to drop the loudmouth chicken on the way, though. Eve hit the woods and immediately started looking for what he now must have thought was his blind lookout. He finally saw two men coming toward him that he recognized as Enid Bright and Bob Mullins. Bob said, There was a man got shot. Did you hear any groaning as you passed him? And Eve asked, How do you know something like that? Bob answered, Well, because old man Salyer came out with a pistol in his hand and I hit him with a rock. He turned and fired toward Enoch. I thought he hit Enoch, but his face in the face, so I turned the 45 loose twice. I think I hit him somewhere about the hip. Now, turns out Bob was right. As Mr. Sawyer came out to see who was stealing his chickens, he was shot about the front side of the hip. He immediately ran, or in this case, hobbled back into the house and told his wife that he'd been shot. His wife took a look at the bullet hole and uh, looked like it went in one of his love handles and came out the other one. 
and or come out the backside, which is also known in the mountains as your side meat or side belly. And she told him that he was probably more scared than he was hurt and just get over it. More or less tell him what the great football coach Vince Lombardi used to tell his football players back in my day, walk it off. Once he told Lyman to walk off a compound fracture in his ankle complete with the bones sticking completely through the skin. Guess what? That lineman finished the championship game before jogging off the field and going to the hospital for surgery. I guess that just shows about the positive, power of positive thinking, doesn't it? One might say that things just didn't go as planned. What started out as a drunken plan to simply steal a chicken for dinner ended up with John Sawyer trying to walk off a gunshot wound at the behest of his wife. Eve told Bob that it might be in his best interest to hand a 45 over to him. Bob didn't want to give up the gun, but he did finally give it to Eve, who took the spent shells out and reloaded it. Now, of all the mistakes Eve made that night, this, uh, this one I guess you'd call strike one. They finally decided to go on home, and Eve went on his to his home, and the next morning, uh, but when the morning came, Eve found out that he'd lost his watch during the chicken caper and was determined to go back and find it. Now, I don't know what that, that watch meant to him. Some of it was a family keepsake or something. I don't know. But he said, uh, well, I ain't done nothing to be licked for. I lost my watch and I'm going to go back and hunt him. You know, we might call this strike two on a poor man that just took and is now in possession of a weapon used in a currently unattempted murder. Bob said that we'd all go back and look for the watch and added that if they couldn't find it, he was going to change states. That's an awful suspicious statement coming from a man who later claimed that he didn't do nothing. He said there may be a whole lot of men gathered there by now and we may get into it. You give me that big pistol, he Eve said, no, sir, Bob, you don't get this pistol no more. Bob told Eve, I'm afraid you, if anything was to come up, you just ain't got the guts to use it. Returning to the scene of the crime, carrying the weapon that shot John Sawyer, we might call that strike three. I think you're done, Eve. But they went back down the road and, of all things, managed to find the watch. All the while, Bob kept talking about the shooting and bragged that he could hardly shoot a man without hitting him. Why, he fancied himself a regular Billy the Kid, I guess, didn't he? At least so far, anyway. He added, I never fail. We're all together. This is done. Of course, you've never done anything to be locked up for, but if we're caught up in it, uh, this will all end the hard way for all of us. Bob stepped up and put his hand on Eve's shoulder and said, Hobson, we're all in this together, and if you tell anybody... I'll kill you. If Wright tells, I'll kill him. And I tell you boys, if I tell, uh, you kill me. That was the deal that Bob made. He said, I'm going back home in the morning. If you shot the man, best thing you do is leave. He thought it over and figured that he didn't name to tell anybody and there wasn't no use in leaving because he hadn't done anything wrong. But it ended up with Bob Mullins Enoch Wright and Eve Hobson arrested and indicted for the murder of John Sawyer. Yes, old John, no matter how positive his thinking was, just 
wasn't able to walk off, got shot with a 45 and and died making it a murder case now. So now somebody's gonna have to do the hemp dance at the end of a rope for that one. Now during the court proceedings, Eve admitted that he tried to steal the chicken, but testified that Bob Mullins and Enoch Wright had the gun, and one of them did the shooting. Bob, Bob, who Billy the Kid Mullins, of course, changed the tune, and along with Enoch Wright, accused Eve of dropping John Sawyer like a habit. Who, who did the jury believe? Well, apparently they believed Bob Mullins and Enoch Wright because Eve was found guilty and sentenced to hang by the neck until he was dead. Now. Back then, the condemned man didn't linger long before being dragged to his very own hemp-type party where he was the guest of honor. On the day of the hanging, of the scaffold wasn't working properly, and Sheriff Wilburn Killen of Wise County, Virginia, beat on it for nearly 15 minutes with a hammer as Eve stood near the gallows, leaning against the wall, twiddling his thumbs and his handcuffs, waiting to be hanged. It was May 15, 1903. Eve seemed completely affected by the happenings as he chatted with a friend, J.F. Fleming, about his impending burial as if he was planning a cruise or something. Saying, take me to Preacher Mullins' home after I'm dead, Eve told him. I want to be buried close to my dad in our family graveyard. Sheetrock is in Dickens County. Ironically, the sheriff had known Eve since he was a little feller and had actually helped raise him. Eve asked the deputy sheriff Renfro to perform the sheriff's duties to relieve his longtime friend from the burden of hanging him, but deputy Renfro refused. He didn't want any more to do with it than the sheriff did. He told the sheriff that he'd done everything that his, was his duty and he built the gallows, but that was as far as he wanted to go with it. The sheriff, or Webb as he was known, could fix whatever was wrong with it now and pull the lever himself. Seems like the sheriff wasn't the only one questioning Eve's guilt. When the repairs were completed, Eve shook hands with everybody standing on the scaffold, including the brother of the murdered man, who apparently didn't believe he was guilty either. Eve was heard to say that he was sorry and it, that it happened, and he then stepped onto the trap door without hesitation, fear, or weakness, and stood there like he was waiting on a train. The sheriff killing adjusted the noose around his neck and asked Eve about the murder and if he had any final words. I only say that I've done things in my life that I ain't proud of. And when John Salyers was shot and killed, I had been drinking a lot, but I didn't have a gun and I didn't shoot nobody. God knows I'm innocent. I didn't shoot the man. God is with me and I hope to meet all my loved ones and all of you again in heaven because you'll know that then that I was innocent. Goodbye. Eve, may God have mercy on your soul, Sheriff Killen said, as the hood was placed over Eve's face. Eve's body plunged downward, suddenly jerking to a stop, thus beginning 36 minutes of pure Appalachian horror to those witnessing the event, along with poor Eve Hobson. It was immediately apparent that Eve's neck didn't break from the snap of the rope and the hood flopped off his face, revealing an awful agonized, terrorized look on Eve's face that seemed to plead for some kind of relief if somebody would just go ahead and shoot him. And 
That would have been better than what was actually going on. The sheriff asked Dr. Miles to replace the hood, I guess to keep him from seeing the agony on E's face. After it was replaced, it wasn't long before it fell off again while Eve hung there struggling to breathe and Dr. Miles went back and this time he pinned it on in place over Eve's face. At one point it was said that Eve got his hands free and was pulling at the rope to try to get it loose. It took 36 minutes before they pronounced him dead. Dr. Miles and two associates still not positive that he was dead kept checking him for signs of life. Finally, Eve's body was turned over to J.F. Flemings of Clintwood, who took him to Dixon County like he wanted. Being that the word of what happened got around to nearly everybody, they stopped along the road when people asked to see the body. Of course, awful rope burns were all over Eve's neck. Uh, what happened to the other men you were, were involved, you're asking? Well, each of them received prison sentences. Enoch Wright was in prison until 1910 when he was paroled. Later, he was convicted on a charge of, of second-degree murder in a separate case and had to serve the 17 years left for the Salyer murder plus 12 more years that he got for the second-degree murder conviction. Bob Mullins was the only one of the three to plead guilty and was in prison six years and nine months before being paroled. That apparently took all the Billy the Kid out of him because he didn't so much as spit on the sidewalk for the rest of his life. But before he died, Bob Mullins confessed to firing a shot that killed John Salyers and sent Eve Hobson to the gallows. It was then known that Eve Hobson was truly an innocent man that he claimed to be. And had he been hung for nothing. I hope you enjoyed our podcast today. If you have, please rate and review the podcast and Please join us on Facebook group, Appalachian Murder, Mystery, and Legend, where we discuss everything Appalachian or whatever else you'd like to talk about. Shoot us a couple of stars on whatever podcatcher you're listening on. Give us a review, and uh, don't forget to subscribe so you'll know when the next one comes out. And I'll be back real soon with another Appalachian Murder, Mystery, or Legend, and I'll see you then.